have a joke for you. Okay. It's pertinent to the topic, I promise. Oh, I bet. Okay. How many ska kids does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many? One to drop it and six to pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Oh, God, I hate you. Get out of here. <laughs> I saw that on the internet. <laughs> Were you just like, ska jokes, ska jokes, ska jokes, ska jokes, ska jokes. Wow. That's and that's With more trumpets. Goes. Much more trumpets. Yeah, yeah. I can't really do like a trumpet mouth. Yeah. So Well, are you excited now that we're doing a Scott episode? Uh I'm pretty excited. <laughs> this has definitely like been my escapism for the week is like going to ska music and I've been listening to a lot of ska and I've really realized why don't I listen to more ska? Yeah, I I cannot answer that for you're like you. i'm not even gonna touch I don't that know. maggie i really don't know i think you're doing the right thing by not <laughs> listening to more ska i don't know why you think you need to listen to more so there's that yeah so yes this week we are talking about ska we're gonna have a nice little short and sweet episode for y'all on who on the specials oh. it's a special rock candy episode about the specials oh. get it get it <laughs> Get it? Welcome to Rock Candy. <laughs> Get it. Get it. Pick it up, everyone. We are your weekly podcast, bringing you sweet treats from the world of music. And I think this is an especially sweet one because it's about Scott. And I think Scott is wonderful and happy and we should be listening to more of it. Yeah. Well, I'm not I'm not going to mosh on your parade. So. <laughs> <laughs> not going to mosh on your parade. No. That's not happening today. No. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah. Probably tomorrow. Hopefully not tomorrow. Maybe Tuesday. Tuesday can happen. We've been day drinking. Yeah. It is a lovely... Nice. We're at spring. We're it's, at summer. Oh, we sailed completely over spring and just nosedived right into we summer. We had third winter and then just <laughs> summer, which, yeah. you know what? Fine. It literally snowed last week. It snowed. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to New York. Yeah, shit's shit's fucking cray, man. We but go, either way, we go through three seasons in one week. It's fucking ridiculous. I put my air conditioner in yesterday. I still haven't put my AC in yet, but I'm also like my my apartment stays pretty cool. Your apartment's fine. My yeah. house is like the raging inferno of hell. So your your apartment's a real Santana featuring Rob Thomas, ain't it? It's a hot one. Well, it's a hot <laughs> one. I'm gonna call my house Santana. And then Summertime can be featuring Rob Thomas. Oh, I really like that. That's adorable. Because, like, (laughs) fuck, what was... Black Magic Woman was the song that they covered from From Food Mac, Mac, right? Okay. And, like, you're, like, a witchy lady. So that could work. But then in the summer, you're featuring Rob Thomas. I am totally featuring Rob Thomas in my house. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Yeah. We're your hosts, I'm Maggie. <laughs> I'm Ashley. Hey, we did all of it. We introduced the show, we introduced ourselves, and we're telling you that we're talking about the specials. Not Rob Thomas, we, nor Santana. We didn't fuck it up. However, we should do an entire episode on that song. Oh my, I, smooth? Yes. I would 100% talk about that song for 45 minutes. And about 30 minutes of that is just us taking breaks to sing the lyrics for well, no that's good reason. a hot one. I mean, it's getting there. We're getting in those summer months. Yeah. And that's why I think ska is, you know, ska is honestly kind of a perfect summer, perfect for your summer mix. Because the other, a couple weeks ago when I was doing my weed whacking in my lawn, I had my spring mix on and it's just a bunch of hipster indie bullshit and like techno. Yeah. And there is a little ska on it. 
and my neighbors little ska. decided to start playing butt rock. <laughs> like I just heard, God, what is that fucking song? Lips of an angel. Not that one. It that was, one's the best. Never one. see me as a wise man. Never made it as a poor man's stealer. Oh wait, no, I thought it was a fuel song. It's all it's in my hands. In, in my, my hands again. <laughs> yeah. So they started playing that, and I was like, mm, I like you. You're nice neighbors, but also no. So then I just played a lot of ska. And it's great music to to do lawn work, to yeah. do yard work, too. Yeah. Because you're just like, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. It's so sunshiny out, and I'm just here. And, and if I you're weeding, you can be like, rip it up, rip it up, rip it up. Yeah, because I got a lot of weeds in my tiger lilies, and I need them to get the fuck out. Yeah. Fuck off, weeds. Yeah, get out of my tiger lilies. Hmm. That could be an innuendo. <laughs> it is now. You're welcome. Yes. So we were talking about the specials. I have never, ever heard a special song. Maybe. Maybe? You might have heard Ghost Town. Um, Maybe their version of A Message to Rudy. I don't know. It's nope. You know what? You don't listen to Sky. You don't, I know. you don't know any other songs. You know what? Fuck it. You don't know any other songs. <laughs> This is one genre of music that I really, really don't know shit about. Well, I'm actually going to spend the episode getting a little history as well as the band. So I'm going to help you out. This is this is going to be educational for people who I feel like most people don't know a lot about ska. Yeah. And then there's going to be people who know a lot about ska and they're going to be like, Meg, you got things wrong. And I'm like, that's fair. Fair enough. Fair. I'm not going to fight you. All right. I'm, I am finally dipping myself full full-fledged into the world of ska yeah i've always been like ankle deep nah let's go let's dunk my head you've in. been a waiter now i'm just gonna i'm gonna learn how to do now the you're an olympic diver i want to be an <laughs> olympic diver of ska like after all this research i'm ready for it cool my body is ready my body might not have been ready to day drink with our beer though <laughs> so this week for the episode we are drinking a beer called Ghost Beer from Duchess Ales. Because ghost Beer. <laughs> ghost Beer. I mean, honestly, hey, it's hilarious to say Ghost Beer. Because it sounds like Ghost Bait, that god-awful fucking show on sci-fi. I mean, we haven't watched it yet, but... But God, I God, want, want to. to. But it's Ghost... I got Ghost Bait because I surprisingly couldn't find a beer that had the word special in it. Uh, but uh, I found this sure. because uh, their song, Ghost Town, is their number one hit song. Number one? Ooh. Like, that's pretty much what everybody, I think most people know them from. Number what? Number one in the ska community. Ska community. <laughs> You're welcome. That Portmanteau. Sounds like, that sounds like you have some kind of immunity towards ska. <laughs> ska community. I got a ska community. Powers combined to form ska community. I mean, you definitely have a ska community. Yeah. I blocked those blows left and right. <laughs> I don't know. You'd be a hype man if you could, though. For what? Wait, Scott. what? That's 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 your that would be your given position in a Scott band. Man? The one who like sits on the corner stands on the corner of the stage and kicks around and goes, Pick it up, pick it up. Oh. Do you Hi, I'm Ashley. Yep. I, be you. I don't do any of those things. Yep. That's one hundred percent what you would do. <laughs> yeah, totally me. <laughs> that, I know how this works. Cause when people describe me, they say, you know what? She'd be a hype girl if she were in a ska band. Yeah. Totes me. Yeah. <laughs> We've never met before. <laughs> Who are you? Where am I? I've been day drinking. 
Yes. So, um, ghost beer is really good, actually. It is. I've never had Duchess ales. It's quite Long Islandy, though. Yeah. It's uh, it's just a nice little pale ale. It's a sweet little baby pale ale, I would even say, because it's not at all offensive. It's not stupid hoppy. Um, I could drink this whole four pack actually. Hmm. I would drink all of this. We're only going on your reviews. Yeah, because you don't now. drink. You can't really I drink can't beer drink anymore. Beer right now, still, which sucks. Yeah, I but, mean the mead that you're drinking that you've been bringing to us, which is always Helderberg, which is fine. Helderberg Meadworks is a lovely little place. You're really Please. drinking the Meadworks, huh? I am drinking the Meadworks. She's drinking the mead. Uh, no, it's su- good though. Support your local meadery if you have one. Yeah. Actually, yeah. So let's get into it. Get okay. ready to be edumacated. And I think, I think, you might come out of this respecting Scott a little bit more. Okay, we'll see. I think you will. We'll revisit that at the end. Well, we, you know what? We're gonna start today. We'll be like. Ashley has no respect for Scott. <laughs> and we're going to see, on a scale of one to five, how she feels about Scott later. I mean, that's not entirely true. I have more respect for Scott than a lot of other genres, but it's not a lot. <laughs> I mean, trying counts? Yeah. Anyway, let's get into it. Scott music is one of those genres that just, well, isn't taken seriously by the masses. <laughs> No? Yeah, not really. <laughs> Most of the time when you mention the horn-laden, upbeat rhythms of ska, people make some kind of joke or just roll their eyes. Sorry. Ashley. It's mostly Ashley, guys. <laughs> it seems to me that most people are turned away by the hyper-energetic performances of people dressed up all nice and wearing sunglasses. They don't want to be told to pick it up. Or perhaps they <laughs> hate trumpets. Or both. I, I'm fine with trumpets. Just Okay, so it's just, you don't want to be told to pick it up. Don't tell me to pick it up. I'm, you pick it up. <laughs> pick it up for me. <laughs> I didn't put it there. You pick it up. <laughs> I love it. Fucking love it. Well, it may surprise you to hear that ska is so much deeper than what most people see at surface level. It's highly political, insightful, and trying to spread messages of universal acceptance throughout the world, regardless of race, sex, or various preferences. It's about human respect. It's happy punks. It is happy punks. Yeah. They're not nihilists. They're like, we can do this, guys. Pick it up. (laughs) And really, no band better exemplifies this than the OGs of Two-Tone, the specials. This large group of musicians came together from very similar, yet very different backgrounds. They wanted to play something new and exciting for people their age, and they wanted to rail against the establishment. The special's original run didn't last for that long, actually, but their influence is undeniable, inspiring other upcoming bands in the 80s, who would then inspire bands in the 90s, all the way up through even today. A lot of musicians cite the specials, like, even, like... What's his face from Blur? There's just, Damon Albarn. That's his face. Yeah. Um, Tricky, we talked about in that episode. Yeah. I mean, all sorts of genres, all sorts of musicians cite the specials. Even if they don't play ska-ish related music, Yeah, they still are like, nah, but the specials. Because they broke a lot of boundaries. They're the one ska band when that everybody can be like, nah, they cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. But to understand the specials, I think it's important to understand what exactly two-tone is, where it came from, and how the band made it so iconic. It's checkerboards. It's just lots of checkerboards. I mean, it is lots of checkerboards. Also, like... But do you know why it's checkerboards? 
because something to do with the 50s? I don't know. Like, kind of mod, yes. Okay, mod is involved in it, but but there's, it's deeper. Oh, okay. It's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. I hate you. (laughs) Now, let me get into a little bit of British history in order to paint this picture. Oh, British history. We're going to get into British history. (laughs) All right? It's just for a second. So, we got World War I. Uh Uh-huh. We got World War II. Oh, yep. Not really a fun time for anyone. No. But especially England, because after it's all over, they were hurting and they needed help rebuilding from all it the damage. It was destroyed. It was destroyed. Yeah. Like World War Two, fuck it. England hurting. Especially London. Especially London. Yes. But all over the place, honestly. Yeah. So, <laughs> the powers that be remembered, oh shit, hey, didn't we colonize a bunch of Caribbean islands? This not... British, is it? Is that Australian? No, with that. I don't know. Caribbean Islands. Caribbean Islands. I don't know what accent that was. All right, you I'm, tried. Just gonna, I'm just going to talk like a normal person. Oh, hey, shit. Don't, didn't we colonize a bunch of Caribbean islands? Sure did. Yeah, we did. Okay, so let's go there. We're going to tell the residents if they come to the UK to work for a few years, help us out, they can go back to their islands just like rich as fuck. Oh. Yeah, they're going to be rich as fuck. I feel like that's a lie. Hmm. <laughs> but then these people actually just stayed. They had families and made lives for themselves in England. So it's like, why go back to the Caribbean if they made a life for yeah, themselves here? For real. Yeah, they ended up liking it. But by the 60s and into the 70s, England wasn't doing so hot for the working class. Yeah. People of color were being arrested for no real reason, and the government put caps on wages, making inflation a fucking huge problem. Uh-huh. And people were angry. I don't know. Does that sound familiar? I feel like I've heard this story before. It's, 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 I, it's, I don't know. I, but history doesn't repeat itself. Though. No, you're right. We I'm, learn from it, and then we get better. Yeah, I'm being, I'm being unreasonable. Be best, Maggie. <laughs> The music of the time was, well, not entirely reflective on the mood of the general public. Mm-hmm. The Bee Gees, Rod Stewart, and ABBA, yo, they may all have some jams, but they didn't seem to have too much concern for lower class families living in violence and squalor. Yeah. Again, might be a surprise to hear. I mean, that's how you get, like, Black Sabbath and shit. I mean, if you know you want me and, and you think I'm sexy. Then start. Black Sabbath and Motorhead? <laughs> yes. That's actually, that was the original lyrics. Those were the original ones. Yep. The black community, however, did have some experience in the realm of culturally significant music. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, they know something about being treated like garbage. Yep. It's weird. All right. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know anything about reggae, okay? I'm white as fuck. But from the little I have heard... I mean, okay, the handful of Bob Marley songs I know in some internet research. UB40 doesn't count? No. Does it count? Not as reggae. It actually counts more towards ska. What? Yeah. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. These songs cover an array of political topics, from the injustices facing the citizens of Jamaica to legalizing marijuana, because come on. Yeah. Guys. Guys, we're still trying to get that happening. Sorry, Bob. It was common for white and black citizens to share neighborhoods in England. The kids were growing up together, being friends, and not giving a damn about skin color. And from there, we saw a cross-pollination of cultures. They shared a love for music, 
And from there, the music of their parents. And these kids got older and they wanted to be musicians. So they want to play the music they love. And at this point, the two most popular genres are punk and reggae. Okay. But then you'd see white kids get in the business for listening to the latter, and then black kids getting berated for listening to the former. It's like, well, you can't listen to punk, you're black. Well, you can't listen to reggae, you're white. And like these kids like, but this is just kind of what I'm listening to because this is what my mates are listening to. But I, but I thought you guys weren't supposed to be raisins. Well, it's like the adults. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, like okay. it's, it's not really the kids. It's more like the adults kind of like, what are you doing? Gotcha. Yeah. You're supposed to have clear racial lines. Yep. How dare you how, mingle? Yeah. How dare you turn this into a b- delightful garden salad of appreciation? If you mingle, they will tell the church and they will burn us. <laughs> they will. Oh my God. They, they might though. <laughs> this banded them together in solidarity. And from that came the mixing of the musics. <laughs> the mixing of the musics. Yep. Skin color didn't matter. It was all about the music and the camaraderie and the message. They spoke out against racial tensions, against Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, and any kind of unfair treatment to the lower class citizens. That bitch. That bitch, though. She kind of was a bitch. Oh, no. Like, she was a big bitch. Like, she was a fucking horrible person. Guys, <laughs> I'm really sad that she got to represent the first Prime Minister of England. Yeah. Boy. <sighs> oh, boy. Soon enough, the mixing of traditional ska with punk became known as two-tone. And that would be thanks to none other than the specials, specifically keyboardist Jerry Dahmers. Dammers, it's Dammers. Okay. For a hot second. The whole like... time I was doing my research, I'd see Jerry Dammers and think it said Jeffrey Dahmers. I... <laughs> That's what I was like, wait a second. I mean, that kind of something that to is do really with the state of my brain this week, but also just yeah. it looks like it when you look Does, at it quickly. Is it spelled the same, just with an S? It's spelled. I mean, it's Jerry with a J, and uh-huh. then it's D-A-M-M-E-R-S, but that oh. still kind of looks like Jeffrey Dahmers. I would say, I would say Dammers, though. No, yeah, it's Dammers. Yeah. You're right. Okay. You're right. But I want to call him Jerry Dan- Dahmers now. I know, I kind of do. Jeffrey's younger brother, he went a really different route. Yeah, he stayed with his original parents back he, in England. He used music to convey his pain, not lobotomizing people and, and then eating to turn them. them into zombies. It's fine. This is fine. Excuse me, sex zombies. Yeah, they're not just zombies. (laughs) They are sex zombies, zombies. damn it. They have a job, okay? Yeah, they're working real hard. They are employed zombies. (laughs) Okay, sorry, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) But all right, I will give you more of the deets on like how he and the specials kind of like built up the two-tone towers Mm. in a bit. Two-tone towers? Yep. (laughs) I'm glad you picked up on that. Is it secret? Is it safe? Yeah. It is special. (laughs) (laughs) Jokes. Jokes. All right. Going real Helms deep with that one. Oh, God. We really can't go an episode without talking about Lord of the Rings, can we? Firing on all cylinders here. (laughs) (laughs) No, we can't. We cannot. Sorry, guys. But also not sorry. Super not sorry. No. No. All right. The place. Coventry, England. The year. 1977. Bam, bam, bam. All cylinders. All cylinders. Jerry was just a collegiate boy who wanted to record a few reggae songs he wrote. And he asked for the help of a fellow student named Horace Panter, who played bass. For the sake of legitimacy, they brought on a few fellows from the Coventry music scene as well. Okay. Joining them was Jamaican guitarist vocalist Linville Golding, drummer Silverton Hutchinson, 
And on vocals was a guy named Tim Strickland. These names are just great. Right? I mean, British. British Jamaicans. Best names. So British. So Jamaican. It's a little bit everything, and I love it. <laughs> Colonial British names are just the best. <laughs> Woof. But Tim only lasted for a hot minute before he was replaced with Terry Hall, who had become the vocalist the specials are known for today. Okay. Terry Hall's a big fucking deal. Yeah. You may think that's enough members of a band, but perhaps you don't know Ska? No. Have this you Scott? Have you listened to Scott? Yeah. Hmm. It's like, this gives Slipknot a run for their money. Oh. Like, on every level, because I will <laughs> listen to this. First of all. Also, the outfits are way better. Oh, yeah. They look like they've showered. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's why they wear masks, because they haven't showered. Ripperoni. <laughs> Do not smell a Slipknot member. Don't smell her mask either. That's Whoa. disgusting. Woof. However, they were ahead of the coronavirus thing years ago. Oh, yeah. They never have to take their mask. Whoa. <laughs> I couldn't even finish that statement. At the tail end, they have two final additions. Roddy Radiation Buyers on guitar and probably my favorite, Neville Staples. Neville was a former member of a disco dancing troupe who became a roadie for the Coventry Automatics, which is what the specials were initially known as. As what? The Coventry Automatics. That is so, like, Irish show band. I love it. We're the Coventry Automatics. Pick it up. (laughs) Pick it up, sir. And sir, I do believe you should pick it up. Mm, Thank you. (laughs) But one night, Neville decided to plug in a mic, and he just began to chant along with the music and dance around the stage. He became their hype man. Oh, boy. He took your job. He took my job. He took your job. (laughs) The Coventry Automatics quickly caught the attention of big names like Joe Strummer of The Clash, who asked them if they'd like to open for the very popular punk band. I... Feel like Joe Strummer would be really into ska. Yeah. I don't know why. You don't? I don't know why. Have you listened to the Clash? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like he's happy or something. I know, right? But like also angry. Yeah, he was a super nice dude though, from what I Oh, I'm sure. I have no doubt. He was probably remember. just like just a super nice guy. Chill. The Clash in general seem like pretty nice dudes. Yeah. Yeah. I would have hung out with the Clash. No question. They would have been fun. Well, obviously, yes was the only answer. So, they connected with the Clash's manager, Bernie Rhodes, who began managing them as well. So, the Automatics toured with the Clash, and the two bands became good friends. So good that when the Clash found out, Bernie was only paying their opening band 25 pounds a night, not even enough to afford hotel accommodations. Jesus. They demanded that he double it, which he did promptly. Good. Yeah, they were apparently sleeping in tents in parking lots. Jesus. Because they couldn't afford to stay at the hotel. Like, I mean, like, 25 to split between, like, at this point, what, a seven-member band? That's insane. Yeah. I mean, granted, 50 split seven ways isn't going to be very much either, but... But at least they could sleep in a hotel room as yeah. opposed to a tent. One hotel room. And probably, room. like, I'll split a couple 40s and some crunch nuts. <laughs> All you need for a good time couple... hotel room, couple 40s, some crunch nuts. The crunch nuts are clutch. Cool ranch flavor. Obvi. Obvi. The nacho cheese, no. 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 Don't be don't be so glib. Don't be so hard on my crunch nuts, okay? You're crunching my nuts, man. <laughs> <laughs> After the tour was over, 
they went through another big change. Firstly was the leaving of drummer Silverton, who was apparently not really into playing ska. He preferred roots reggae. So one day he just packed up and left. Oh, pinky out. Yeah. Well, I I don't think he, I think he tended to butt heads with some of the members as well. well so he was like, sense. I'm over this. I'm leaving. So he left. At least he got out before the drama became too much. Sure. <laughs> I mean, actually. And then he was replaced with John Bradbury. And secondly, came a name change. And this was about when they discovered another band was called the, the Automatics. Mm-hmm. And they feared people might confuse the two. So initially, they tried to call themselves the Specials, a.k.a. the Coventry Automatics. Uh, your band doesn't need an AKA. No. Th- that was just really crazy long, so they just became yeah. the Specials. Yeah, that's a good move. Yeah, that was a good move. And this band not only sounded different, they looked different. And that was on purpose. By becoming a melting pot of sound and vision, they hoped to help in breaking down barriers that many just can't get beyond. They knew political messages were going to be prominent in their songs. Bernie encouraged the band to utilize this black and white theme in the band's image. Oh. Hence the checkers. Jerry was in school for illustration, so he found inspiration in mod looks that he used to be fond of. So also, yes, the 60s mod look. Well, Jesus Christ. Which is why they dress nice. I bet you anything, Vans didn't think about that when they started ma- making checkerboard. I don't know, man. Vans is real deep. Are they? No. That eye roll <laughs> makes me think you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> but the most notable thing that Jerry brought to the table was Walt Jobsco. Walt Jobsco? Mm-hmm. Is this like a hiring, like a staffing agency? Oh, that does sound like that. No. It does. It's like, it's the hiring agency for Walt Disney. Oh, God. Walt Jobsco. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. It's not. It's a person, isn't it? It's it a real-life human being no. with arms and legs and a brain. Well, kind of. <laughs> Maybe. Look, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, you may recognize the ska guy. Ska guy. The ska guy. All right. He's, it's, it's a black and white image of a dude in a suit and a fedora with sunglasses. And he's like standing there with his hands in his pocket. Or sometimes he's doing a little ska dance, a little skanking. No. Okay. I'll show it to you Maybe. later. Maybe. All I can, all I am thinking of in my head right now is the Cocopelli guy. It is 100% and it's not the Cocopelli guy. It is like a dude, like with sunglasses and a fedora in a suit. Like I can picture that in my head, but I don't think it's the right thing. Okay. I'm just picturing my own version of a guy in a fedora with sunglasses and a suit. Oh, I know what you're thinking of. No, it's not that at all. Ripperoni. Is it the Italian pizza guy? (laughs) That is exactly what it is. In every shitty pizza restaurant. Yes, um, that is exactly what it is. That's actually that guy. They stole that from Ska. (laughs) Little known fact. Little known fact, guys, when you go into a shitty pizza place and you see the little chef, the Italian chef with the mustachio, that is actually a ska guy. It, uh, it, yeah, they culturally appropriated that from ska. Yeah, this is a new history we're making. Welcome we're to false history. History of the fucking Italian pizza, pizza guy. Man. Like they, I, a statue you can get at Bed Bath and Beyond for twenty. Bucks. Oh my god! Well. The ska guy that I'm talking about, Walt Jobsco here. I'm sorry. I just thought the my house is called Carlos Santana. 
<laughs> and it's filled with Italian pizza guys. There's so many questions about this house. Uh. Filled by Carlos Santana. <laughs> okay, we can move on. I'm sorry. All right, well, whatever. The ska guy that I'm talking about, Walt Jobsko. Jabsko, not Jobsko. Anyway. No, it's Jobsko. I'm sorry, it's Jobsko now. <laughs> this ska guy, Walt Jobsko, even he was inspired by classic reggae. This character is loosely based on a picture of Peter Tosh with the rest of his band, The Wailers, on their album, The Wailing Wailers. Huh. Okay. And you might know The Wailers because that's the band that Bob Marley right. helped start. Yes. Okay. So. I do know who The Wailers are. All right. We're coming full circle on this. So much reggae influence. Yes. All right. And even today, the black and white checkers, along with Walt, are synonymous with ska music. If I show you an image of this, you're going to be like, yep, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. It's a, visu- it's a visual explanation. Thank you for joining my TED Talk. <laughs> I'm going to go now. Yeah. Like punk, ska is filled with strong personalities. And apparently Bernie and Jerry were two that were always butting heads trying to be in charge. I don't think Jerry really wanted to have a manager. And Bernie was like, I'm just trying to be your manager, but I also suck at it. (laughs) And it wasn't long before he was no longer their manager. And the specials floated around as a free agent of sorts. Mm -hmm. And they were still hard at work making music and ended up with a song that's a rework of Prince Buster's Al Capone that they called Gangsters. They changed the opening line from Al Capone's guns don't argue to Bernie Rhodes knows don't argue. It's a dig to their former manager. And like, there's a little bit of, I guess, not controversy, but debate as to what the line really is. Because it's Mm -hmm. Bernie Rhodes knows don't argue. And like, everybody thinks it's K-N-O-W-S. Like, Bernie Rhodes knows, comma, don't argue. Like, oh, Bernie Rhodes knows what's up. You don't argue with him. Yeah. Like, to make fun of him. But Neville, I believe, had also said, nah, I got that because Bernie Rhodes had a huge nose, so it's N-O-S-E. So, Bernie Rhodes (laughs) knows, don't argue. Okay. I don't know which one's the right one, but I really like the explanation. Like, we made fun of his big schnoz. (laughs) Either way, it was a dig at their former manager. Yeah. The lyrics came from an incident when they were on tour with The Clash in France. They were blamed for damage that another band made to a room, and their guitars were held as collateral. Their guitars were held as collateral? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's They funny. were like, we're taking your guitars, fuck you. And they're like, but we need those. <laughs> Shit. Cool, thanks. Nice. But also, fuck you. Well, things escalated to the point where the police were called, and the specials ended up paying for the damages. That's bullshit. Yeah, and it, they they kind of like talk about the corruption of, you know, like the establishment and shit like yeah. that. Because that's what they talk about a lot. Yeah. They released the song with the help of an indie label called Rough Trade. It was an immediate hit, getting them onto the top ten and opening up opportunities of live performances. At one performance, Mick Jagger was in the crowd. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. And he was so impressed with these guys, he wanted to sign them to the Stones' label. Okay. Yeah. But Mick was late to the game. At this point, there were numerous labels vying to get the specials to sign with them. The best offer they found was with Chrysalis, where Jerry worked with them on a contract that allowed them to have their own sub-label, where they could record 10 singles a year and even sign other bands to their label. Huh. And here is where we come full circle 
as they named the label after their own style, Two-Tone. So they had a label called Two-Tone Records, which was a sub-label of Chrysalis. Okay. And from there, they signed such bands as The Selector, Madness, and Elvis Costello, among so many more. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Speaking of coming full circle, (laughs) actually just speaking of coming. Yeah. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Here we go, guys. With a nice deal to bring you guys from adamandeve.com. If you guys head on over to adamandeve.com and uh, pick out one nice little item for yourself, you use our code, you might get that shit 50% off. And that code is CANDYPOD. C-A-N-D-Y-P-O-D. Not Not the the band. band. Um, But you will feel so alive. Yes, you will. Because on top of your item for 50% off... They're going to give you some presents. You're going to get three, count them, uno, dos, tres, catorce, <laughs> yeah. one, two, three, fourteen items. <laughs> sure. No, just, just three. You're only getting three. three. You're going to get three sweet items. Make it a little thing for him. Maybe a little something for her. And then something everybody can enjoy. Yeah. Or like maybe just something, all three things. They're all just for you. Just keep them. Keep for yourself. Fuck it. You paid for them. You keep them. Yeah, right. Like your your fucking partner didn't help you with any of that. You gotta keep those for yourself. Yeah, you're the one doing the online checkout. You fucking keep them. Yeah, like you just wear that cock ring and you just enjoy it. <laughs> you wear that cock ring all around town. Just don't show it to anybody. Okay? Yeah, no, you do not want to end up on a sex offenders yeah. list. Please don't show it to anyone. And just know- also, if it lights up, don't turn it on. Oh no, they will know. Everyone's gonna know you're wearing a light up vibrating <laughs> cock ring. I mean, I'm sure there are places that that's accepted. Yeah. But go to those places. Yeah. yeah. Don't go to, like, the grocery store. No. <laughs> Don't go to the grocery store with, with your light-up vibrating cock ring. With your strobe ring. light vibrating cock ring. Yeah, you do not want to go to jail or end up on a sex offender list. Yeah, because so, that's a very big possibility. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't fuck it up, yeah. guys. But in addition to all of that stuff, you're going to get your ass... Six free films. Spicy films. Spicy films to watch during these spicy times. And I mean, really, at the very least, they sound entertaining as fuck. Yeah, they do. So you got that going for you. (laughs) So you get your 50% off item. Mm -hmm. You got your three free gifts. Mm -hmm. You got your six free movies. Mm -hmm. And then on top of all of that, you get free shipping. Don't you want that free shipping? It's worth it for the free shipping alone. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go order from right now just to get some free shipping. I want that (laughs) self-gratification of free shipping. So all you have to do is go to adamandeve.com, get all that shit in your cart, in your basket. Shove it in there. And then use our code when you're checking out. That's CandyPod, C-A-N-D-Y-P-O-D. And get some candy in your pod. (laughs) But you're not supposed to do that. Don't put candy in your pod. Don't put candy in your pod. Nice. Just feel so alive or something yeah give, give yourself some emotions yeah now they're done with that special announcement <laughs> let's talk about this special band okay. the specials special 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 now the stars were aligned for the specials to work on their first full record jerry was considered kind of the de facto leader of the band but as far as writing credits go everyone contributed something to the music in addition to the regular players they even brought on more horns with dick cutthrill <laughs> what? Yeah. Dick Cuthel? More horns with Dick Cutthrill? I'm sorry, it's Dick, yeah, Dick Cuthel. Cuthel, okay. I thought it was Cutthrill, and I'm like, that's a poor name, if I ever heard one. <laughs> Speaking of AdamEve.com. 
His name's Dick. He played the cornet. <laughs> this is Dick. He plays the cornet. Yeah, he played the cornet. It was great. And then we have Rico Rodriguez on trombone, who was actually a very well-known trombonist mm-hmm. in the reggae circuits. So it was a pretty big get for them. Cool. Though they wouldn't be considered regular members of the band until the next album, because again, Sky, you get a lot of motherfuckers in this band. In and out. You need yeah. the fucking horns. Yeah. It's not Sky without horns. Yeah. Fight me. I, it's probably still easier to find a horn player than it is to find a drummer. Probably. Drummers are really hard to come by. They really are. I really hope, hard to keep. I hope all of you drummers out there are wearing your masks and using your hand sanitizer because we cannot afford to lose any of you. You really can't. We need you. So yeah. keep that up. Yeah. Please. Quarantine yourselves. They didn't just bring in help with instrumentation. They also wanted to bring in a producer that they trusted to have a good ear and understand what the special stood for and what their message was. And so they asked their buddy Elvis Costello to help them out. Oh. So their first album was produced by none other than Mr. Costello. That makes sense. Right? I don't know why, but I, yeah, I always associated Elvis Costello with ska for some reason even though it's not at all ska he's not but i think he dresses like close to dresses very nice like that modish kind of yeah tony-ish and all of his album covers i feel like just look like a ska album cover you pick them up and expect to be picking it up but you're not it's just Elvis Costello. Yeah, you kind of get a little bit depressed. Like, <laughs> but, oh, wow, that's kind of kind of a bummer. I mean, this is nice, but like, not what I expected. Not what I expected, Elvis. I mean, you're wonderful, but your name's huh. Elvis for Christ's sake. Yeah, right. Not his real name, but still. Oh, Do- totally not his real name. Not at all. Oh, <laughs> that'll be for another episode. Yeah, <laughs> but not everyone was super happy with this producer pick, according to Roddy. Elvis was telling the band that they shouldn't have Roddy as their guitarist because he had more of a rockabilly sound. And he clearly needed to go on to become Rowdy Roddy Piper, so... Yeah. He had other dreams. You had... He has another destiny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's the same person. I know it's not the same person. <laughs> Roddy would argue with Elvis saying that they're not trying to revive Jamaican ska but make something new. So they would tend to butt heads a lot on what the sound should be. Gotcha. At the end of the day, though, the result was a groundbreaking album that caught a real moment not only in music, but in the world as well. It was released in 1979 and just simply a self-titled debut. So the specials, the specials. It included songs that were covers of ska reggae groups that they idolized, like Toots and Maytals, as well as Dandy Livington's Rudy, A Message to You. But then they call it a message to you, Rudy. Huh. But what really spoke out was the single Too Much Too Young, which doesn't shy away from the topic of teenage pregnancy and telling everybody they got to wrap it up. Yeah. Wrap still. Up. Still fucking wrap it up. It's too much, too much. Too much, too young. Just You're too at much. a home with kids when you could be having fun with me. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. <laughs> it's a really good song, actually. <laughs> It's, it's, it's good times. This catchy PSA reached number one in the UK charts, huh. even though like radios were not really keen to play it because they're like, oh my God, you're talking about teenage pregnancy talking, and telling people don't do it. You're alluding to the sex. Wait, teenagers do not have sex. Never. The specials. <laughs> they do not know what dicks are. Yeah. What are even boy about? teenagers don't know what dicks are. They don't even get a good look at it until they're married. 
Yeah, you're not supposed to look at your dick till you're married. I <laughs> no. certainly hope every man listening who hasn't been married yet doesn't know what their dick looks like. Because you're not supposed to look at it till marriage. If you do, you're not getting into heaven, my friend. <laughs> Jesus is going to look at you and say, I know you looked at your dick. And you're like, but Jesus. No, you're going to get to like, those pearly gates and Jesus is going to be like, what's your dick look like? <laughs> Tell and me about gonna... your dick. And it's a trick because he wants to hear what your dick looks like. It's Jesus' dick trick. <laughs> oh, the Jesus dick trick gets him every time. Gets him every time. I got you. Ah, but you, you're still going to hell. You are also still just going to hell. Yeah. Mm, bye. And then you get to hell and Satan's like, what's your dick look like? <laughs> Yo, give me that dick. I'm gonna, he doesn't gonna, even want to hear what it looks like. He's just like, give me that dick. Yo, give me that dick. It's going to burn. It's going to burn for eternity. Burn it's gonna feel like you just dipped your dick in a bowl full of jalapenos. Have fun, motherfucker. <laughs> Welcome to hell, bitches. You fell for Jesus's dick trick. Bam, 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 bam. And it's just like Ashton Kutcher's punk. Oh, God. Except it lasts forever. Oh, God. I don't even know what I was talking about before. I really got caught up on Jesus's dick trick. The specials were bringing Scott into the mainstream, and listeners were excited to hear this hyped-up new sound with strong political and ethical messages. They attracted bigger crowds to their shows, and honestly, crowds they didn't expect. Okay, now, when most people hear the term skinheads, I think there's a pretty specific image that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, one that involves combat boots and swastikas. Most importantly, the swastikas. Yes. But I've been learning that no, skinheads are not always race, racist shitbags. Not always. At least not back in the 70s and 80s. Always. Hashtag uh, not all skinheads? I suppose there's a lot of people that look like skinheads but weren't necessarily skinheads. I do feel like there was like a subsection of like, I don't know, maybe hardcore that were like straight edgers who yes. kind of looked like skinheads oh, back yes. when we were in high yes, school. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Right. All right. I remember hate breed shirts. <sighs> I knew that that would invoke some kind of negative reaction. That's half the reason I said it. Anyway, originally skinheads just represented the working class youths of England. But, of course, eventually racist conservatives will take over anything. So now you have a real Venn diagram of skinheads and Nazis. Yeah. It's fun. They're usually the loudest, so yeah. people pay attention. The point in bringing this up is that the specials were a part of a musical movement that the skinhead groups could relate to. As they consistently sang about the inequality of the working class and just solidarity between them. But there's that pesky Venn diagram again, which resulted in actual Nazi skinheads going to their shows and starting fights. Yeah, because Nazi skinheads are pieces of shit. Yeah, they're not They're not great. Not a good time. They, they definitely know what their dicks look like, and they're going to describe it. They want us to know what their dicks look yeah. like, and I don't. I don't want to know. I never asked for that. Never asked for that. No one. <laughs> no one wants to know what your nub of a dick looks like. Your Nazi Sorry. nub dick. Nazi nub dick. Ugh. Not even Jesus, man. You're Nazi nubbing. He's not even going to ask you what your dick looks like. You're going to get there and he's like, nope, you do not belong no. here. Get down there. You're going to watch so much punk. You're going to hate your life. You're going to hate your afterlife. Good. 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 As they embarked on world tours... They weren't necessarily sure what they would get. Maybe everyone was going to dance and have fun. Maybe a fight would start. Or maybe they'd end up getting arrested in Osaka, Japan for quote unquote inciting a riot. Cool. Because just you 
back then in Japan, you were not allowed to get up during shows. It's so weird. So people like would get up and dance, and that yeah. was illegal. And then they decided to arrest the specials for that. All right. Japan is weird. You have been charged with pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. No! <laughs> Third degree pick it ups! <laughs> or second degree pick it ups? I don't know how many second degrees degree you can have in anything. Ups. You've been charged with second degree pick ups? No, it's first degree pick it ups because <gasps> you knew you were picking it up. And you shouldn't have. And you did it. My God. Throw the book at him. All right, that's fair. I shouldn't have picked it up. Though I think it's also fair to say that these guys were singing songs to disenfranchised youths who had a lot of anger to get out. So if they wanted to mosh and dance, let them have that fucking outlet. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Japan. Come on. Come on, Osaka, get with it. The specials didn't realize the reach that they would have on the rest of the world, but when they toured, they were more popular than they ever imagined, which led to inevitable turn... Tour burnout. Of course. Turnout burnout. Yeah. Tour burnout. They were just torn. They were torn hard? I don't know. We'll think of something. But yeah. It might surprise you guys to hear, touring sucks. Yeah. While the label wanted them to get their butts back into the studio to record new material, management wanted them to keep touring. They were exhausted and wanted a break, but they also really weren't ready to stop what they were doing. So it was a lot of just being pulled in every direction here. They were in a pickle. They were in a ska pickle. Ska pickle. A real skank of a pickle. Skickle. Skickles. This is skickle. (laughs) You really, you really, you really puffed your chuffs with that (laughs) one, didn't you? In order to make everyone happy, they went back into the studio and made another single called Rat Race. It peaked at top five in the UK. And would eventually end up on their next album, More Specials. That's true. It is more of the specials. It is more of the specials. That was their next album. Touring wasn't the only thing difficult for the band. Going back to the studio filled the band with stress as well. Jerry decided ska was just an entry point, and it was time to experiment with new sounds, like music and other sorts of easy listening. I mean... That kind of makes sense, because they do have a horn section. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I'll go with that. But, but the rest also, of the band like, really didn't want to do that. I mean, when you're going to record your next album, and you're like, what direction should we go in? And everyone's like, Muzak. That's when you know you might want to stop. You might need to take a little break. You might need to take a break, because maybe you're not in the right place mentally. Apparently, Jerry, being on tour, Jerry kept hearing elevator music, the music and elevator music, and was yeah. inspired by that. He is the only person that did not go immediately to murderous rage. Yeah. He's like, wait, this could be really that. nice on our next album, guys. Yeah, no, nobody's ever said that. No, except for Jerry except Dammers. For this guy. Yeah. Not Jeffrey Dahmer's. Jerry, Jerry Dammers. Maybe that was his way of cannibalizing? Serial, serial killing. Just killing people with Muzak. Yeah. That checks. Slaying them dead. That checks. The rest of the band pushed back heavily on this idea, and fights would frequently break out during sessions. Physical fights? Or just mm, I think screaming. it's mostly screaming matches, but mm. I mean, there probably was some physical stuff, too. Yeah. They don't... No one gets super into detail, but there were drinking... There was drinking and drugs. Me, so uh, I'm sure the drinking definitely led to a lot of anger. Yeah. I'm sure. 
Despite the clashing of ideas, their sophomore release was praised for its eclectic mixture of styles and ability to push boundaries. It may not have been as commercially successful as their previous album, but even today, critics look upon it favorably. Yeah. So, for what it's worth, he wasn't necessarily totally wrong about the Muzak, but I'm sure it was good to have these people to push back from him going full Muzak. Oh, yeah, definitely. I want a little Muzak. A little bit. Just a little, a little hint. trickle of Muzak. Just a little saison of Muzak. <laughs> yes. Here they go again on their own. <laughs> it's time for another tour, yeah. They went on another tour. But was Tawny Katane, like, writhing on a hood of a car during it? This would have been, like, 81, maybe. Oh, this well before White Snake. I is think. It? I think. I don't think it is. She might have still been in high school, though, so hopefully not. I mean, it was before that video. Right. And I don't know how old she was when that happened, so I just don't want her to be underage writhing on any cars. No, I think she was in her 20s, at least. Oh, no, with White Snake. I just mean if she were to do it. No, in 81, I'm saying. I think she might have been... In her 20s. Good for you, Tawny. Yeah. I guess. Anyway. She's crazy. Oh, she's bananas. (laughs) The specials may have been reaching new heights of success, but the inner workings of the band itself were falling apart. Most of the band was doubting where Jerry wanted to take the band, and that began to spill into their live performances. One night it was so bad that Roddy smashed his guitar over Jerry's keyboard because there was so much tension. No, it's because he was practicing for the WWF. <laughs> or WCW. Was it? Well, WWF at the time. But WCW existed also. I don't remember which one he was with. He was with WWF. WWF? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Sure. That's why. Sure. But he was, yeah, he was practicing for the WWF. Yeah. He had to, you know, he had to do something. <laughs> that was his audition tape. Yeah. Everyone was pissed off and tired, and that didn't even account for the crowd getting entirely out of hand at their shows. They eventually had enough and decided they were just going to stop touring altogether. They're like, we're done, we're retiring from touring. But you're a ska band, like, half of it is playing shows. Yeah, but it was exhausting. Yeah, I get it. I'm sure you get that. I get it. Imagine doing ska every night of your life. God. One night is exhausting. This episode's tiring you out. I see you. You're falling asleep over there. You're like, I need a break, Maggie. And forget going into the studio. By the time they started recording Ghost Town, they could barely stand to be in the same room together. It was the group of them standing in different spots, just not talking to each other. Like, they would collaborate on the songs itself, but overall they were like, I fucking just don't want to be here anymore. Their bassist, Horace was especially disillusioned by the rock star life. So much so that he ended up joining some cult called Exegesis. I was just going to say, Horace probably went on some like crazy, trippy, weird shit after he left the band. But no, yeah, a Horace would would join a cult. Exegesis? Exegenesis? I can't even say it. It's exegesis. E-X-E-G-E-S-I-S. Exegesis is the name of the cult. Sure. I don't know. Cult names are dumb anyway. Right? Your name sucks. But they were deemed a therapy cult who promised their followers enlightenment through personal transformation. This is... That's like Nexium. Yeah, but this was not really a sex cult. It was more of a I'm a take your money cult. Well, that... Well, Nexium's whole thing is an I'm a take your money for self-improvement yeah. thing. And then they had a side business as a sex cult. Yeah. I don't think that this place ever had a side business of the sex cult. I think they just wanted the money. Or maybe they do and you just don't know about it and therefore it's successful. Well, I think they're defunct now. 
Either way, they should be. Yeah, I mean, thank goodness. Am I right? Overall, the band was getting to the end of their ropes. Not only were they all getting on each other's nerves, but they were noticing something. That Margaret Thatcher's England was a goddamn mess. Yeah. As they toured the country, they noticed that everything was shutting down. The prime minister was having a field day with closing industries and forcing the unemployment rate to skyrocket. And on top of that, the violence at their shows was only getting worse. It was at the point where the band members would try to stop fights themselves, and then they would end up getting arrested for inciting fights. The amount of unrest in England at this point was a real fucking bitch. Yeah. It's so funny how everything is totally fine now. Everything's so different now. Man, I'm glad we don't live a life like that anymore. Boris Johnson is just, you know, he's fucking killing it. He's killing it. it. My God. Good job, Boris. So glad you didn't die from the coronavirus. So glad. Mm, Let's drink until our hearts stop. If theirs won't, ours will. Mm, We're trying. Oh, boy. All of this inspired them to write their biggest hit, Ghost Town. Lyrically, it addresses everything I just mentioned. Everything closing down, too much fighting in the clubs, and the overall urban decay that they were witnessing. Even musically, it starts off sinister and foreboding, and doesn't let up throughout its entirety. Diminished chords that presumably relate to the listener's sense of hopelessness and despair. The song went to number one for three weeks and was declared single of the year in 1981. Oh. People loved how relatable it was to their lives because at this point, everybody was just so pissed off. And this song comes out and they're like, they get it. Yeah. These these guys know what's up. They got on Henry Rollins' What's Up Hotline. And it didn't like, even exist yet. And they're like, we need this What's Up Hotline. Yeah. And Henry Rollins is like, hey, guys, tell me what's up. Are you guys really unhappy with the way the economy and the government's working? Tell me about it. What's Up Hotline. I'm Henry Rollins. What's up? Tell me what's up. Tell me what's up right now. (laughs) Tell me to pick it up. I don't care. I'm Henry Rollins. Do what I want. And quite frankly, the messages didn't stop there. One of the B-sides, called Why, was written by Linville. After he was attacked outside a club and sent him to the hospital with broken ribs. Jesus. And I'd say it wouldn't take a master detective to figure out that the attack probably had something to do Oh, with the color of his skin. Probably. I'm I don't I don't want to be that guy, but ooh, I'm being that guy. But it's not a stretch. It's not. It's not we're not stretch armstrong in it with this. No, not at all. Not at all. So like I said, Ghost Town was just a favorite among their fans. And Jerry felt like he was proving the doubters wrong. And maybe he did. You know, bringing in like more of a easy listening sound. Switching things up a little bit. Wasn't yeah. quite as energetic. He's like, all right, that's it. I got it. Proving everybody wrong. But that didn't make anyone want to stay around more than before. <laughs> the band was just over it. When they went to the top of the pops to perform the hit single, Terry, Neville, and Linville announced that they were leaving the band. Mm-hmm. And it really upset Jerry. They went on to form their own group called the Fun Boy Three. Oh, boy. And here they shed away a bit of their ska sound and kind of went a little more like pop new wave. Okay. So, a little different. And they had some mild success, moderate success. But after they left, others weren't far behind. Roddy left to do his own thing, starting a band called the Tearjerkers. 
Horace was so involved with exegesis, exegesis, I don't know, (laughs) who gives a fuck? And Jerry was staunchly against this, so he just couldn't take any more of, like, the opposition from the band leader, and he left. Okay. So now it was just Jerry and the drummer John. They adapted a whole new crew of musicians to play with them, and they changed their name again to the Special AKA. Ugh. Okay. Yep. And the lineup may have changed, but they still managed to have popular yet thoughtful songs. One of the new members was Rhoda Dakar, who sung on a track from more specials with Terry. Mm -hmm. She contributed the song The Boiler, which deals with date rape. And despite its frank subject matter, it still managed to reach number 35 in the UK charts. Another song that became popular post-OG lineup was Free Nelson Mandela, which I would like to think it's pretty obvious what that song is about. Yep. I mean, I don't know, but the title might give it away. (laughs) I mean, they don't really beat around the bush when it comes to subject matter. Not really. It's pretty obvious. It's fairly upbeat and draws a lot on South African influences. And this single hit number nine in the UK charts and was unsurprisingly super popular in Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Again, might surprise you. It shouldn't. This all culminated to their third studio album called In the Studio, released in 1984. They're not stupid creative here with, yeah, like... Yeah, no, they really are not. They're they're extremely straightforward with everything they do. They don't want to confuse anybody. I get it. That's fine. You know what? That's fine. That's totally fine. It took over two years to produce, mostly due to lineup changes, but it was well-received getting into the UK Top 35, and NME ranked it as the number three album of the year. Well, shit. I know, right? NME. You know, definitive source. Is it? I don't know. No, I don't think it is. But it's still pretty good. Good for you, NME. Arguably, though, enough was enough. Jerry didn't want to keep doing this and decided to disband the group and pursue political activism. This is about like yeah. progression. This is about like 1987. Yeah. And the specials, as we knew them, was over. Yeah. Well, kind of over. I'm not going to go too far out of the original lineup here, guys. Like, honestly, there are many iterations of this group. Yeah. Mainly because the original members joined so many projects, and some of which they would use specials in the name. So, like, they were still putting out albums... But, like, different members would come back and put out albums Did as nobody, like, get some kind of clause where, like, if you left the band, you can't use the name? Nobody did that? I think, arguably, Jerry owns the name, but doesn't... Care? Care? <laughs> I mean, I guess, if he can make some kind of money off of it, then, yeah, I guess that makes sense, because then everybody wins. Right? But I, I also, I don't know. It's... It's ska. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Overall, though, there have been 30 members. Wow. So I would like you to go to the Wikipedia page for the specials and just look at the chart of band members because they had to make a chart for band members. Jesus Christ. It's a lot. Yeah. We've talked about some bands where we had to make charts. Oh, yeah. Of band members. That's why I'm not really going to go. I'm not going to really go outside of the original lineup because like, holy shit. And like, there's plenty of people who just jumped in for an album or a song. Yeah. So, it's a lot. Yeah. I'm not doing that. They would have brief reunions here and there, but never the full lineup, and usually to back up some other ska legend that they were like, yeah, of course I'm going to be here for that. Yeah. By the way, aughts, though, 
They were coming in to perform at festivals or special events, just together as the specials. By 2009, they announced a nearly full reunion tour. One of the big names missing, though, was Jerry. Now, it's not really quite clear what happened exactly. And it reads as a real, like, he said, he said kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The members of the band say that the doors open for Jerry to come back whenever he wants. But Jerry says that his band had overtaken it and he was kicked out. So they haven't performed together. I'm not really sure whose fault that is or if it really matters. Hmm. Sounds like somebody's mad he doesn't know what his dick looks like. I still don't know what my dick looks like. I need to get married. No, I can know what my dick looks like. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's it, that's Jerry. What I, you know what? You're right. You're probably right. <laughs> but it's a real shame because the specials have been back at it during this past decade, touring and making music with their latest album, Encore, coming up just last year. It's the first with original songs since 98 and the first with Terry Hall singing original songs since Ghost Town. Hey, nostalgia is like... Back. It is. It is the thing to do. Capital B back. Yeah. Guess who's back? Nostalgia. Back again. <laughs> back in the habit. I guess so. It may have been just what people were looking for, though. Encore entered at number one in the on the UK album chart and has been well regarded among critics and fans alike. There have been a few losses, though. Roddy left to pursue different musical projects. Again, he's still kind of doing his own thing. As Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. And it's because he passed away a couple oh years ago, God. right? Oh, my God. Now he has he to go is yell. Now he Rowdy has to Roddy go, Piper. He has to go yell at Rhonda. Rhonda Rousey. Rousey and be like, can you stop? Give me my jacket back. I want my jacket back. You fucked it up. Go away. Now he's just telling her to God smack it. No, because she's not doing the best she ever did. She sucks. I'm sorry. Sorry. She sucks. Anyway, back to music. <laughs> Neville Staple had to stop performing with the group due to a decline in his health. So he just can't really perform anymore, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. And on top of all that, John Bradbury had passed away in 2015 at the age of 62, just due to illness, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, they've lost a couple guys since. But despite these setbacks, they still continue on today, spreading that message of respect and kindness. And maybe there's a reason that the original lineup has slowly worked its way back together now. The things that this band has been singing about, um, they're still kind of really relevant today. Extremely relevant. Might sound a little surprising to some of you. It's still a group of people from all walks of life getting together and just saying, hey, stop being an asshole. Yeah. Stop it. (laughs) Why? Yeah. Now they are attacking these people head on digging at the government with songs like Vote For Me, and supporting civil rights that are still being denied with the song BLM. That means Black Lives Matter. (laughs) Just in case. Just in case you didn't know. Yeah. I feel like there must be some level of exhaustion for the specials when they see that their songs railing against income inequality, racism, and the overall establishment are still quite relevant today. But I also hope that they see their work isn't done and that inspires them to continue to make positive and upbeat music that they are known for and mm-hmm. that they're still s- perpetuating this message and it's still reaching ears of people today who are, believe and support that message and it's it means a lot to people yeah i think it still means a lot to people of this current whatever of our world 
to hear these songs and say, yeah, we still have work to do. Like, let's band together with like-minded, good human beings and make shit good. We have so much work to do. Oh, no, we have so much work to do. It's almost discouraging hearing their story because they were doing, they were railing against the same fucking points Mm -hmm. in the late 70s that we are still railing against now. And it makes you think, we haven't gone anywhere. Hey, these songs came out 40 years ago. In the 40 years since 40 they years. 40 years since they released their first album, we're still talking about the same shit. We're still at the same fucking point. We may have gone, you know, we may have made progress, but in the last 4 years, all that progress has been fucking undone. Oh yeah. And we're right back where we were yeah. 40 fucking years ago. A full Gen Xer ago. A full Gen Xer ago. <laughs> full Gen Xer. We're, we're not anywhere. We are this in the same spot we were. Yeah. I think the big difference is that people, I mean, for lack of a better term, are quote unquote more woke now. Right. And I, we are more inclined to call out the bullshit instead of just being like, mm, no. Well, that's just okay. the way it is. It's just the way that's it is. That's just how that's things how it's are. Been. It's just how they are. And we need to be okay with that. No. Fuck off with your bullshit. Yeah. Fuck off with your bullshit. Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. So maybe we're a little bit more vocal about it, but the people on the other side, the wrong side, ah! are more vocal about it. Yeah. And more loud about it. So it seems like we're still in the same spot, Mm -hmm. but everyone is just doubling down on their bullshit. Yep. Whereas the people who are like us, who are like, no, racism isn't okay, classism isn't okay, ageism isn't okay, income inequality isn't okay, we're just kind of like, but can you just listen to us instead of screaming? Yep. And that's why there's so much divide today. Yes. I think there wasn't as many... So when they first came out in the 40s, I think the big difference is probably in the number of people, in the size of their movement, in the size of their group. I think nowadays you do have more people who agree with these sentiments. Yeah. Um, And that's why you see such a huge divide in our countries right mm-hmm. now is because there are enough people on both sides to go at it head on. Yeah. There's no more like, you know, the working youth class... Of the 70s and 80s in England, probably wasn't that big. They were definitely more of a minority. Yeah. And now it's like most people we know agree with those sentiments now. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it just took 40 years to get people to wake up sheeple. I don't know. I don't know. But, like, hopefully, like, you know, in the next 40 years, it won't be the same. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Crossed. Yeah. Anyway, that's my story on the specials. Yay. Yay. Good I job. I thought it might be more... I mean, it, I think there's positivity in there. It's nice to know that there's groups like that that are just like, we're just guys. Guys, come on. Yeah. Like, can you cut it out with your bullshit? Yeah. So now on a scale of one to five, where do you stand on Ska? A little bit more respect there? You don't care. You know, you're just... You're I just am, still hate Ska. I... You still hate Scott. I respect the people in the message. I don't respect the music. But you don't want to pick it up? I don't want to pick it up. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it no, up. No, you put it there. You pick it up. Well, fine. <laughs> I'm going to pick it up for you. Okay, that's people fine. People in Scott are very nice. 
They, I'm sure that they are. I went to a ska mosh pit. Ska pit. I don't know what you call that. Skank pit? Skank pit. Skank pit. <laughs> That's going to be my Instagram name. I'm changing my Instagram name to, to skank, skank pit. <laughs> I hope you do. That would make me so happy. Skank pit. Skank pit. Um, yes, the skank pit is the friendliest place I've ever been. Everyone's very nice. <sighs> oh, I love it. Jesus no. is going to know you've seen your that's dick. Ca- that's like my stripper name also is skank pit. <laughs> oh <my> <sighs> that's fantastic. Oh, that was great. Thanks, guys, for listening. <laughs> Appreciate you. We love you. Hope you guys learned something today. Hope I could give a little history lesson and a little music lesson. And I hope I gave you all a fun new username on Instagram. (laughs) Like Skank Pit. Also, gentlemen, I hope if you're not married, you haven't seen your dick yet. Yeah, because otherwise you're just going to be playing this game. You're going to be playing this game between Jesus and Satan. It's not fun. It doesn't sound fun. That's going to be your afterlife. Welcome to your afterlife. (laughs) If you are digging what you've heard in this episode, did you know we have like so many others? This is the 120th episode. Holy shit. Yeah. We've got 119 more of these and like some boner episodes too. So like, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you go uh, check us out at our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com. And over there you can get those episodes. You can comment on them. You can find the links to our social medias because we have Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can also go ahead and check out the network we're a part of, the Pantheon Podcast Network, your one-stop shop of the MTV of music podcasts. And you can just pretty much get any stories on any music you've ever fucking wanted to know. Literally. Literally. Anything. Anything. Yeah. Do you need it? Do you want it? It's there. Go ahead. Pantheon Podcasts. Yeah. And if you want to give us some of your monies... Then you can head on over to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast. You can donate some schmeckles to us. And we will gladly give stuff in return in the form of sweet swag. Swag, swag, swag. And also a monthly bonus episode, which will be coming out this week. So, hey, patrons. Get on that that. shit. Get on it. Yeah. If you want want in, it's happening this week. We're going to talk about some fun shit. Yeah, we are. (laughs) Ooh, it's been a month for music news. Yeah, it's been a month for music news. Also, we have some actual, like, legit episodes coming up that I am <gasps> very excited about. I'm really excited for next week's. Excited about next week. Excited about a couple weeks from now. Oh, yeah. No, we got something real big coming up next month, guys. I'm literally shitting myself over it. So. No, it smells terrible, guys. <laughs> She's done it. It's, it's, it's rough. It's a rough time. Something I never thought would ever happen, and it's happening. I'm... A little floored that this is happening. Yeah, I have no idea how it's happening, but it's going to happen, and you're going to find out about it in a few weeks. Yeah, well, you'll find out soon enough, but the next two weeks are also going to be really fun. Yes, they are. I'm actually looking forward to the next two weeks. They will be very fun, interesting episodes. Yeah. I can't wait to do them and hear them. But until then, why don't you kids hold tight and uh, party on, Ashley? Party on, Maggie. That was was, was a shitty clink, but whatever. And party on, you crazy kids out there. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Never had to knock on wood. And I haven't seen my dick. (laughs) So Jesus won't kick me out. That's the impression that I get. (laughs)